was the best player in the game right now? It's a debate that's been put forward at some point across every single league and every single sport known to mankind, probably even bowling. And the National Hockey League certainly no exception. But uh, we tend to focus so much time on the best player that we don't often give the other grade eight talents the attention and recognition they so rightly deserve. So this week, we debate who the second best player in the league is and what makes them great. Episode 209 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, the second best players in the game. And uh, if if they're not the second best player in the league right now, if they could be the second best player in the near future. Right. And this all started, well, first off, I, we should mention that we all are accepting that Connor McDavid is the best player in the game. Um, mm. But this all started because uh, Leon Dreisaitl had a four-goal game uh, the other night. I think it was Monday. It might have been Tuesday, um, where the, the Oilers won 8-2 to two or something. Um, it yeah, eight, it was 8-3 over Nashville, yeah. yes. And yeah. Leon Dreisaitl actually took over the game more than Connor McDavid did. I mean, Connor McDavid did have some points, don't get me wrong, but it was like Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto uh, were uh, were uh, in like hyper-speed mode or whatever. Um, and also... Uh, you find here that uh, Dreisaitl was the first to break that 100-point threshold. Um, he had four goals um, and one assist. He's pretty close to getting the, I guess, the NHL Triple Crown, which means uh, he, he um, well, so currently he's fourth in goals, uh, but he's first in assist, and then I guess uh, he's first in points. So that would be the NHL Triple Crown, but he, um, you know, he asked like obviously I guess if if you're winning in goals and assists, then you're gonna win points. But um, but I think like the the last person to do it was in um, now I'm blanking on who it was, but it was like it hasn't happened till like 2008 or something like that. So it's been a while, um, which is kind of surprising because you'd think McDavid would be the first to do it, but. No, it's it's uh, dry settle who um, who might be able to do it. Um, anyways, uh, this got me thinking about like, oh, okay, so is it like is dry settle actually the second best player? Because you can make a case that like teams are more focused on McDavid, and that's what allows dry settle to play on an elite level. Or is he like that good on his own? Like if McDavid was not on the team anymore, Drysaitel would Drysaitel still be this good? And that's that's unclear. Um, so there's a bunch of other guys too that you can make a case for that are also the second best player: uh, David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Artemi Panarin, Nikita Kucherov, um, even Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel. 
Um, so Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin as well. So yeah, uh, so it got me thinking that there's a lot of candidates who you can make a case for who are the second best player in the league that is not named Connor McDavid. So, um, so yeah, I'll let Steve go first with his pick um, because he wanted to. Um, he really wanted to talk about this before we recorded. So, um, yeah. Oh, and also to reiterate, just to make sure that we're not doing the same thing that happened last time. Yep. Once you pick a player, the other person can't pick him again or mm-hmm. at all. So, yeah, we're just, we're getting that out of the out of the open right now. Uh, you can't pick whoever is not, but we'll obviously we'll talk about them after uh, the person goes on their spiel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we'll uh, get a big name out of the way right off the hop. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, the Colorado Avalanche, is the player I'm talking about first. Um, his first four seasons in Colorado were pretty respectable. Uh, rookie season, pretty good start. He had 24 goals and 63 points in 82 games. Bit of a downgrade in year two, but to be fair, he only played 64 games. So 38 points is still decent. Only 14 goals. Uh, got back to his 20 goal four uh, in uh, year three. He had uh, 21 goals and 52 points. That season where Colorado really struggled to score, he had 16 goals and 53 points in 82 games. And then you get to the last three years where he has recorded at least 55 assists in all three seasons, at least 90 points in all of those three seasons, uh, recording 99 last year, 97 the year before that. He has 90 this year. And... In all three of those seasons, he's had at least 30 goals. Uh, 39 in 2017-18, 41 last year, 34 in his first 67 games uh, this year. And in the course of the past three years, very, very, very scary power play threat, scoring at least 11 goals and 30 points in each of the last three seasons you want big goals well hey this guy scores a lot of big goals too in fact 22 of his 39 career game winners have come in the past three years in 2017-18 he had 12 game winners uh which is pretty crazy um tied for third with nikita kucherov in game winners since the start of 2015-16 32 um since uh that time a uh, lot of power play points in that time since the start of 2015-16. He is 10th in the league with 129 of those. You like shot generation? He brings it to 250-plus shots in each of the past four years. Um, back-to-back seasons with at least 300 shots. He continued that this year. He's at 315 and counting. Last year, he had a whopping 365 shots. And since the start of 2015-16, why not? fifth in the league in shots on goal as well what really impresses me about mckinnon right now is the fact he continues to dominate despite the atmosphere changing all around him and by changing all around him i mean colorado having to deal with significant injuries to multiple players this is the second time this year they've had to deal without miko rantanen for a couple of weeks um, they've been dealing with uh, Philip Grubauer getting hurt on and off this year. Uh, two or three times he's been hurt. 
Gabriel Landeskog, another example of a forward missing time. Uh, Kale McCarr missed some games. I believe Andre Burakovsky missed some games as well. Throughout all of that, throughout all of the hurdles Colorado has had to deal with, Nathan McKinnon has been the one consistent force for this Avalanche team. He is 43 points ahead of the second best score on the team right now which just goes to show you how important of a player he is to their team. And in each of the past three years, when it comes to power play time, Colorado has ranked first. Um, 480 plus minutes in each of the past two seasons will likely surpass 400 minutes again. They currently lead the league in in total power play time this year. Um, Nathan McKinnon, of course, being a big reason for that. If you look at giveaways and takeaways, you would think, oh, a possession-driving player like Nathan McKinnon probably has a lot of giveaways. Shockingly, not for McKinnon. You take a look at Leon Dreisaitl since 2015-16. He's second in the league in giveaways. McDavid is 16th. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, though, in his last 377 NHL games, he has 242 giveaways. That puts him 40th and most recorded giveaways since 2015-16 amongst fours. Not that bad in terms of giveaways. And if you take a look at his career takeaways, he is 293 since 2013-14. That places him 51st amongst league forwards. So all of these numbers indicate, okay, Nathan McKinnon on a good team can do a lot of damage. He has Gabriel Landeskog to work with. He has Miko Rantanen to work with. But again, I go back to the injuries and all of those hurdles, and I take a look at some of the players that have played on Nathan McKinnon's line. Uh, probably the most glaring example would be Jonas Donskoy. And this is a guy that typically averages 35 to 40 points a season. Actually, I don't think he's even hit 40 points as an NHLer. So uh, between 35 and 39 points, let's say. In quarters one and two of this year, Brett, Jonas Donskoy spent a lot of time with Nathan McKinnon. He got nine goals and 14 points in his first 20 games. In the following 23 games, he added another five goals and 15 points. So in his first 43 games with Colorado, Jonas Donskoy had 14 goals and 29 points. Pretty decent production. Since the start of quarter three, Jonas Donskoy hasn't played on the same line as McKinnon as often. And in his last 19 games, one goal, two assists, 22 shots. Again, proving why Nathan McKinnon has been a very impactful player offensively, not just for his team, but for those around him. You take a look at Andre Burakovsky, unable to hit 40 points in the NHL until this year, unable to hit 20 goals in a season as an NHLer until this year. He has 20 goals this year on 103 shots, which means his shooting percentage is hovering around 20. In quarter three, he spent a bit more time with Nathan McKinnon, seven goals, 20 points in 17 games. Again, Nathan McKinnon playing a key role. If you want a more recent example, Vladislav Nemesnikov, former Ottawa Senator, comes in to Colorado less than two weeks ago. In his first six games, he's been on Nathan McKinnon's line, two goals, one assist in six games. So I consider 
the impact that McKinnon has had, not just from an offensive perspective, from a team perspective, how he makes the team better, how they've been able to not only stay relevant despite all these injuries, but but stay competitive and be a threat in the central division, which is a very tough division on top of all that. I keep that into consideration when I'm making a judgment as to whether or not he's the second best player in the game. And um, I think it's a two horse race between another player, which I'm not gonna name, cause we'll probably talk about, about him later. But this guy, Nathan McKinnon, is probably one of the two that immediately popped into my mind of players that could be the second best player not named Sidney Crosby. Not named he Connor McDavid. That. Yeah. <laughs> not named Connor McDavid, you mean? Yeah, not named Connor McDavid as well, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the... Um, well, the thing... The, I, I agree with that. He's obviously very good, and he brings the uh, he makes the avalanche from a great team to an elite team. Um, the one thing, though, I would mention, though, when you're talking about like the Junis Doinskoy and the Andre Burakovsky and all that stuff, um, he you know McKinnon it is on a usually on a line with Rantanen and uh, Landeskog. Um, and when they're, you know, and even on the power play, you have like Kale McCarr, Nazem Kadri, or some other guys. So that's, I don't know if I necessarily would credit all of Burakovsky's breakout season to Nathan McKinnon because they're not on the same line. Um, and the same, like the same, I mean, obviously like Junis Donskoy could, um, like he's not he's like oh he's always been a depth player so of course he's going to be better when you play um with him like you know of course he's going to be better when mckinnon's there but it's so it's tough to really know um unless mckinnon suddenly gets this season ending injury or somehow is not on the colorado avalanche anymore then it'll be curious to see how good Andre Burkowski is how good Jonas Dornskoy is, Vladimir Nesikov is truly because because um, we don't really know how much of an effect they have, except we do know that they have some of an effect. Yeah, I think I think out of the three examples that I just gave of players being better because of Nathan McKinnon, Burkowski is probably my weakest example. I think it's more evident for. Donkoy and for Nemesnikov, oh. especially for Nemesnikov when you consider his numbers when he was on Tampa Bay's top line a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Although I would, yeah, but like that, we did see what Nemesnikov was was like on Ottawa and what he was like on the Rangers when he didn't have McKinnon or uh, like Steven Stamkos and Kucherov. You know, so it's <laughs> like you could say the same thing for when he was in Tampa. Mm -hmm. I also think. A part of Nathan McKinnon's game that is going to help him in the long run is the expectation and how to handle it. Um, yep. This guy was born in the same part of Nova Scotia as Sidney Crosby. And if you know anything about Sidney Crosby, he's one of the best to ever play this game yep. and play in the NHL. And he's been faced with similar expectations entering the Halifax Mooseheads organization. There was a lot of hype on his name. And he excelled in junior hockey. He won 
a world uh he won a memorial cup with the mooseheads in 2013 yep. one of the best players on that team seems to get better every single year he plays and i do think he needs to work on some parts of his game particularly face-offs uh, yep. since ryan o'reilly left i think becoming the guy in the dot is still something he's adapting to but like everything else i think it's going to get better with time and you haven't seen the best from Nathan McKinnon. It's just going to keep going upward. It's going to keep going upwards from here. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's a good point. It's funny, you uh, you kept on mentioning this guy twice now. Once, I think, was a, a slip of the tongue, or a Freudian slip, and the other one was when you were comparing him to Nathan McKinnon. But my 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 second best player that I'm going to make a case for right now is uh, Sidney Crosby. Um, no. <laughs> because... Um, uh, so first off, obviously he hasn't been as good as he used to be. Um, but, um, and you know, I mean, he has had a bit of injury history, especially this season, but he's still like a very effective player. And when I think of Sidney Crosby, I think of like, he, um, he does all these things, right? He doesn't always, um, you know, he doesn't. Like, he can score points at will, but he doesn't have to. He can do other things as well when he's not even scoring. Um, you mentioned his, fa like, face-off stuff. You know, he's he's been over the 50% of the face-off wins, or his face-off percentage since he's been in the league um, has always been around, like, 50% or, like, 53%. So he's been a really good center for that, too. And that's something that I kind of take into account is like you're good all around and you can score at an elite level um as well as the fact that like for guys like mckinnon uh pasternak drysidel uh jack eichel um any of these other guys that we're going to talk about maybe panarin although he's been good every season but like the other guys like they they were at an elite level. They just started being at an elite level. Where Sidney Crosby's been at an elite level for about 10 years now. Um, so, or even more than 10 years right now. So, um, you know, he's he's already like the best player to even, um, he's already up there in terms of like the best players all time. Um, sure, he's not as good as McDavid is right now. But he's still, like, if I were to start a team right now, um, and, like, I guess age is a concern, I think I would choose Mc, uh, Crosby if I had the second overall pick uh, to start a franchise right now. Um, just because, like, you know what you're going to get, um, and, you know, at least you're going to have... I mean, sure, he gets injured every now and then, but, like, I know that I'm getting an elite center even at a 30 even as a 33 year old so um i'll take that obviously he also has won three stanley cups um and and all that stuff but um you know he may like chris kunitz better if you're talking about line mates chris kunitz uh hasn't like he like he wasn't as good he's made so many players careers ryan whitney from splitting chicklets owes his career his money to Sidney Crosby, uh, famously. Connor Sheary is another one. Connor Sheary is another one. There are like so many examples. Uh, um, yeah, like 
Patrick Hornquist, I guess, uh, Connor Sheary, um, yeah, Neiman, pretty much. I mean, I guess the one knock on him, I guess, is the fact that Malkin's also on his team, who's also pretty good. Um, but like, I th- I like to think that Crosby and Malkin are, or what uh, McDavid and Drysdale are doing, is kind of like what Crosby and Malkin have been doing for a decade now, decade plus now. Uh, where like if one's not struggling, the other one picks it up, and then and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's good. The only thing, the only other thing I'll mention is that like he was injured for most of this season, but he still has forty five points in thirty eight games right now. That's pretty good. Uh, so he can still like he can still get you points. Um, even if he's not as good as he used to be. Yeah, um, in terms of Sidney Crosby, got nothing much to prove, don't have really much to argue in the form of stats. He's been there, done that. Yeah. Um, you're at the point in his career where you just basically marvel at what he's accomplished. Yeah. And it's honestly incredible that I think the only time you're probably going to hear a person say, oh, I think this guy's better than Sidney Crosby is probably when Sidney Crosby stopped playing and people forget just how good Sidney Crosby yeah. was. I mean, in six NHL seasons, he has at least 100 points. The most recent was last year when he got 100 points on the nose. Um, yeah. 30 goal seasons, he has nine of those in the NHL, the most recent last year. And in 2010-2011, he had 32 goals in 41 games. So if he plays the full season that year, we're talking like maybe 50 to 60 goals there. Right. Uh, seven NHL seasons with at least 30 power play points. Most recent was 2017-18 when he had uh, 38 of those. The most remarkable thing about Sidney Crosby, when you Wikipedia every single thing he's achieved, Stanley Cups, um two-time olympic gold medals uh one of which was recently celebrated 10 years i had to mention that uh you look at everything he has ever done in his entire life as a hockey player one thing that sticks out to me not a single time in his career he's recorded 300 shots on goal in a season has never done that out of everything he has done the closest he has come to 300 shots in a season was in 2009-2010. That year, he had 298 shots on goal. Yeah. And the only time, as a matter of fact, he hit 250 shots in a campaign in the 2010s, from 2010 to 2019, was in 2016-17, he had 255 shots. So just a bit over 250. Sidney Crosby is forever going to be a measuring stick for all of the superstar players that come after him. You want to be the best? Look at Sidney Crosby. Compare your stats to his, compare your awards and achievements, yep. individual and team to his, and then determine if you're better than Sidney Crosby or other people will determine for you. Guys like Nathan McKinnon, guys like Leon Dreisel, guys like Connor McDavid, they have the upside they have the skill yep they have the power to wow people like nobody else can because they haven't reached their ceiling you haven't seen the best from them yet 
but you've seen the best from Sidney Crosby. You've seen what he can do, and yet, in terms of individual awards and in terms of stats, he's still better. Yep. And you're kind of banking on guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all those other guys to win as much as Sidney Crosby. And that is going to be the big test for them. Um, Yeah, you could definitely make a solid... You can make a solid case for why Crosby is the second best player in the league right now, maybe even the best player if you really wanted to. Um, Because he was probably the best player in the league before Connor McDavid came around and took him from well, but, I think it, uh, oh. yeah that, that 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 just goes that just goes to show you the level of greatness that Crosby's yep. been playing under for so many years. Yeah, I think it is a little unfair to include guys like Crosby and Ovechkin in this race because they've they have more seasons under their belt compared to um, all these other guys that we're talking about, even like compared to McDavid. So it is a little unfair because, like, if McDavid, like, there's no, I would not be surprised if McDavid continues to be this way for until he is Crosby's and Ovechkin's age um, or even older. So, um, so it is a little unfair because I, I think Ovechkin and Crosby and even Patrick Kane have kind of like change this new level where they have so many seasons under them that it's almost impossible to compare them to all these other guys because all these other guys haven't even played a bunch of games already so it is a little unfair but at the same time it's like um you have to include them when you're talking about the second best player in the league um and all Mm -hmm. that stuff all right so who is your who is your next player um it's it's a toss up between a couple of guys, um, but uh, you, you know what? You know what? Why not? I'm gonna go with Alex Ovechkin. Okay. Uh, we have talked about him a couple of times uh, this year already. Um, under one of those streaks, as well, where it seems like uh, you can't stop him from scoring goals. This is the one stat that got me, and it was just through a random binge search on the NHL's website that I found this stat. Since the post-lockout era, Ovechkin's rookie season, so the start of 2005-06, since the start of that season, the top five NHL hits leaders have had at least 2,900 hits on their resume. The guys in the top three of that list have all surpassed 3,000 hits. Alex Ovechkin is one of them. He ranks third in the league in hits since the start of his rookie season with 3,022 hits. And the only players with more hits than Ovechkin are Dustin Brown of the LA Kings and uh, Cal Clutterbuck, who split his time between uh, the Minnesota Wild and the New York Islanders. And if you watched Ovechkin play the game, it's not like one of those, like he'll rub you along the boards. Like he... He takes healthy runs at guys. This guy can actually hit people. And the fact that he's still taking clean, healthy runs at like 33, 34 years of age with all of his goal-scoring prowess just really makes you appreciate just how much wear and tear his body has probably gone through in his career. And it he's on the verge of probably scoring 50 goals again. 
at in his 30s. Like, it's just mind-boggling how good he's been. And if you've forgotten how many goals he scored, just to put this into perspective, his worst in terms of goal-scoring seasons, this was his worst season. 32 goals, 220 shots, and 48 games played in the lockout-shortened 2012-2013 season. Outside of that, 400-plus shots in three of his first four NHL seasons. He had over 500 in 0809, if you can believe it. In 14 NHL seasons, he's recorded at least 300 shots. The next closest amongst active skaters is Brent Burns, and he is four of those seasons. So Ovechkin is basically 10 ahead of Brent Burns in that department. Uh, if you include this year, in 11 NHL seasons, he scored at least 40 goals. Um, he's three goals shy from his ninth 50-goal season. He has eight of them right now. Um, four times in his career, he has scored at least 20 power play goals in a season. Uh, his personal best was 25 in 2014-15. Um, you take a look at game-winning goals in five of his many NHL seasons. He's recorded at least 10 game winners. Uh, personal best was 11. He's done that three times. Yep. All things considered, I don't think it's enough to make Ovechkin a top two player today because while he has improved a little bit on his two-way game and he's a more mature leader now as opposed to his earlier days, I don't think he's at that level because I think the system has failed him to an extent from being that player in the present day. He has recorded at least 45 assists in six NHL seasons, less than half of the seasons he's played at this level. And that's because the Capitals give him the puck to shoot it at the net because he knows how good his shot is. The team knows how good his shot is. The other goalie knows it. The fans know it. All the sports writers know it because that's mostly all we see. And we like what we see a lot because Alex Ovechkin is just so darn good from his office, so darn good on the power play. And the, the problem is we don't really see him carrying a team by himself like Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin because other than scoring goals at a regular basis, we haven't really seen the other elements of Ovechkin's game like really shine. And as much as I love the player, even if he keeps on scoring 50 goals a year into his late 30s, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, there are so many young studs in this league that I think offer more than Ovechkin in his 30s. So he might have been a top two player in the league in his first like three, four, five years, but I think the window has passed for Ovechkin in that regard. Yeah, I, th I mean, I just said that I think, um, you know, when, when I was talking about Crosby, it's almost unfair to compare like Ovechkin to um, all these other gu younger guys because Ovechkin's been doing it for longer. But of course he is like, like so now in his career, we're just marveling at him um, instead of wondering if, how good they can they are um and now we're just marveling at how good they they are and uh hope we uh they continue that place forever um but i, I think that that makes it even more special yeah when 
they're in their late thirties or mid thirties, whatever their age is. I, I Crosby I is thirty three, and Ovechkin's thirty four. Yeah, yeah, both are under thirty five years of age, but they're still playing like they were, like entering their yep. thirty. You know, they're still just as dominant. Yeah, I could and see I them. That just adds on top of their greatness. Of course, and I could see them being great for the like for about like five more years, even still. Like even when they're like nearing forty, I could see them uh, being this good. Like that's how um, they are. Um, but like, I, I I think like the thing with Ovechkin and Crosby, or at least for me, has always been that Crosby's better all around. Uh, but Ovechkin's the better goal scorer, um, and um, but like they're they're both like Ovechkin's also good all around, and Crosby's a pretty good goal scorer as well. So it's um, they're you know they're all they're we're lucky to have to watch them throughout their career for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for Patrick Kane too. I think he's getting there in terms of. Um, being in awe of his hockey skills. Um, all right. Uh, so I kind of like for, for my last choice here, I kind of had um, a tough time thinking about this because uh, there's so many guys <laughs> I can make a case for. However, uh, when I like look at this list here and I look at the standings, um, I think I'm going to have to make a case for Jack Eichel here. Um, my birthday boy, uh, we share a birthday, um, but uh, and we were both born in Massachusetts as well. But that's also that's not why I'm picking him. Um, but uh, it's mostly because when I look at um, at all these guys that we're considering at the top of this list here, we have like Leon Dreisaitl. They all have another player that. Um, is also elite or could be even considered as the second best player. So Leon Dreisaitl, he has Connor McDavid. We don't know how truly good Dreisaitl is. Uh, Panarin has uh, Zabinijad, who just had a five-goal game last night and is about to and might get 40 goals pretty soon. So uh, although he does make the, the Rangers better, we don't know. Pasternak has Marchand. Uh, McKinnon has Rantanen and Landeskog and Kale McCarr now. Um, I, I guess you could make a case for Patrick Kane. Kucherov has Stamkos. Matthews has um, Mitch Marner. But Jack Eichel, um, I mean, I guess he has Je- Jeff Skinner. Victor Olofsson maybe one day. But uh, Jeff Skinner has had a bad season uh this year and Victor Olsson is just a rookie and he is also gets injured too, but Jack Eichel is still 10th in points. Um, in turn, he has 77 points in 66 games. The Sabres are not even close to making the playoffs in five years, which, um, is terrible. I mean, it's kind of like upsetting the fact that, you know, they have a player like Jack Eichel, and he's not even like he hasn't even had a taste of the playoffs yet, um, but he he improves every single year. Um, like his rookie year, he had fifty six points, which was okay. Then the next year, he had fifty seven points in sixty one games. 
Um, so if he played a full season, he would be a lot better than what he did. He still had a better point total uh, his second year in the league compared to his first year in the league. Um, and he played a full season in his, first, in his rookie year. Um, and then uh, the third year, he was injured again, but he got 64 points in 67 games, so that's even better. Then the next, then last year, he had 82 points in 77 games. And now, I think if all else fails, he could play a full season right now. And he's having the best season of his career. Um, in 77 points in uh, uh, 66 games. So, oh, I guess it's not a full season. I just looked here. I guess it's 80. He, he could play 81 games right now. Um, and... Um, and he's 20, he's 23 years old. And I think that's the best part is that he's, he's going to be even better. If he keeps on improving like this, he could be like unstoppable next year. Um, or the year after and the year after and, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, he's on a bad team and yeah, his face-offs could be better. And yeah, his defense isn't great. But I think the fact that we're even considering him as the second best player considering the fact that his team is terrible for <laughs> since he's been on it um just shows how good he is um and all that stuff yeah so i that that's my case for jack echo <laughs> you know take a look at uh, some of uh his offensive numbers uh from the point uh, uh it's a hockey website that i follow really good stuff i uh, got some of the stats that um Probably, you know, the big sports networks often don't talk about, but uh, I find her very, very intriguing. And Jack Eichel shows up a lot uh, in uh, some of the points top five lists. Uh, in terms of offensive zone puck possession per game, he ranks second in the league, uh, averaging a minute 16 per game. Uh, that's two seconds behind Matthew Barzell of the New York Islanders. Uh, you take a look at zone entries this season he is fifth in the league with 477 that's 10 back of patrick kane for fourth guys also on that list mcdavid barzell and mckinnon uh so there's definitely a case to make for jack eichel and before anyone says oh he plays in the buffalo sabers you know that's probably going to hinder his chances of being the second best player in the league oh Connor mcdavid's the first and he plays for the oilers which right. are basically Western Conference equivalent of the Buffalo Sabres for years. Yep. So I definitely think the potential is there for Jack Eichel to be a number two player in the league someday. But again, it all depends on his ceiling, if he can get better. And the, the fact of the matter is, this is his first Nathan McKinnon level season, I feel like. This is his first season where he probably gets like 85 to 90 points. Yep. McKinnon has had three straight seasons like that yep. including this year so obviously jack eichel needs to keep the momentum going continuing to improve and within time within a couple of seasons i think there's definitely a possibility for eichel to be that guy for sure yeah that's fair i i i, I can see that point but to that point like mckinnon was also on an awful colorado avalanche team before um and all that stuff and i think there is something to the fact that Jack Eichel has has been able to um, fight through adversity despite the team being awful these five years. 
um, yeah. stuff like that. And so, I also think McKinnon has a bit more to work with, too, than Jack Eichel does. Yeah, well, that, that was my whole point, is I think Jack Eichel has a lot more to, like, all these guys that True. we're talking about have a lot more to work with than Jack Eichel. Um, yeah, so so that's that. I think that's a big case for Jack Eichel, uh, just the fact that he is the only one there. I, th- I think I could compare, I think Eichel would be what McDavid is if Dreisaitl wasn't as good or if Nugent Hopkins wasn't on the team and Yamamoto hasn't shown up yet. So it's, um, I think it's just like, you know, I don't think the Sabres have built around Eichel like the Oilers have built around um, McDavid or the Rangers built around Panarin. Bruins, I mean, they sort of built around Pasternak. They were a good team even beforehand. So it's, you know, they, um, you can, uh, I, I think there is something to the fact that it just, the fact that he has been so good even without a supporting cast um, that is as good. I mean, and I guess I don't want to discourage guys like Sam Reinhardt or Jeff Skinner, but they're not really comparable to all the other guys that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, like people take a look at, you know, Sidney Crosby's situation, you know, when he entered the league and yep. they missed the playoffs his rookie year, then in his second year, they make the playoffs. And I think in all but one season, they made the playoffs since. And in his like third or fourth season, you know, they were in the Stanley Cup finals and then and then they won the cup in 0809. And everyone's just looking Oh, look at, you know, how good Sidney Crosby is. And, you know, they're, they're thinking that's what a top three player in the league looks like. Sometimes it just takes time. Yep. Because not everyone is Sidney Crosby or is put into the situation that Crosby was put into when he joined the Penguins. Because yeah, back then, you know, he had Malkin to work with. He had Jordan Stahl, Marc-Andre Fleury. Right. Well, the thing is, is like, I mean, I guess the Sabres – you could say the same thing about the Sabres and the Oilers, but the thing with the Penguins at the time is, you know, they had a lot of high draft picks, in particular Evgeny Malkin the year before, and Marc-Andre Fleury as well. So it's like, um, so I guess that is a key to it, is that, like, you need to have a lot of top draft picks. Um, it's just, I guess, like, guys like Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Dahlin, um, haven't been able to support a Jack Eichel compared to how Malkin and Mark Andre Fleury had been able to support uh, Sidney Crosby when they were starting out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I was just more thinking along the lines of like the best players are able to get stuff done, and yep. that's what really kind of like separated Crosby and for for many many years. And I I guess people were kind of used to that as like being the standard for like a, the best player in the league or the right. second best third best you had to have a resume like that not always often the case yeah I, I think it works the opposite way too is that Jack Eichel is so good on his own that even when his team is bad he's still like one of the best players in the league um, mm-hmm. so yeah I, I I hear what you're saying though um, okay that concludes our list here I also do want to mention that we didn't really include any defensemen here but I think um, I guess that's a episode on its own, but um, mm-hmm. I think the fact that John Carlson has been good for the last couple of years, I I, I think he is worth a mention here. Um, 
as much as it pains me not talking about David Pasternak or Brad Marchand, I think they kind of cancel each other out. But um, that's why I did not talk about them um, like I am. And I also wanted to prove I'm not a homer. Um, and also... <laughs> And Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner kind of work the same way as Pasternak and Marshawn. Like, they, they kind of cancel each other out, too. So, um, that was worth it there. And Kucherov, of course, is Kucherov. I feel like we're missing that one. And I, at Panarin, uh, good thing, too, is that he's been on three teams. But, like, all three of his teams, he's been good on all three of the teams. And then when he leaves the team, that team suddenly stinks. So, it's... There is something or, to that. Or, is it, or isn't as good as that. Yeah, or isn't as good. Or, like, yeah, it's, it's, there is something to that where I think uh, he should get more credit for. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's about does it unless you have other things you want to say. No, let's wrap this puppy up. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, um, iTunes, and uh, Spotify. Our uh, Twitter is Lace Em Up. Our Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Uh, we usually update our Twitter pretty frequently. We don't go on Facebook that often, but please follow us there anyways. Um, yep. And uh, my name is Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 210 of the Lace Em Up Podcast. <laughs>